But the thing with Daphne Muren was that she was a trailblazer in so many different dimensions. She was this um, incredible composer that was thinking of new processes for concert music. So she wrote this piece at the age of 23, and it is a full scale, I mean, it's unlike anything I've ever heard before. It's, it's use of space, it's use of recordings and sampling, and the musicality of the live electronics is just completely extraordinary. But you kind of, it's just one of those great what if things where it's like, if Still Point had been performed, you just wonder what the history of music really would have looked like. Because something very different would have happened with orchestral music, I think. We're hearing music by Daphne Oram from her piece Still Point from 1949. This is an incredibly pioneering work written for two orchestras and live manipulation of sound via turntables. Uh, the first composer I think that we know of who was doing this, and she was all of 23 at the time. It's an incredible story, and yet this piece, this undisputed masterpiece, languished for decades and was only finally recently given its world premiere at a BBC Proms. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bosted, and on the program today, I will be speaking with musicians James Bully and Shiva Fesharecki, who were instrumental in bringing this work to life. And I'm going to play excerpts of the piece, and I'm going to let them tell this incredible story. I first became involved in um, exploring the work of Daphne Oram when I was studying at Goldsmiths University in Southeast London. I got very interested in the special collections they held which are a kind of set of archives revolving around early electronic music. And one of the collections they'd recently had brought in was the archive of the British composer Daphne Oram. At that time, she also studied with a composer called Ivor Walsworth at the Royal College of Music. So by this point, she's maybe like 20, 21. Um, and then almost out of nowhere, there's reference to this piece that she wrote. Um, in sort of 1948 she began writing it and the main reference that I when I came across this was actually another composer who knew her very well who wrote a Groves Dictionary of Music entry for this piece called Still Point and um, I came across this and kind of was just really astonished because up till this point people knew that this work Still Point existed and that she'd written it because it was submitted to the Pre-Italia um, in 1950 I think and refused on the basis that it was not a conventional orchestral piece. And I'm sure, you know, given the time period, there are other things going on there um, with a female musician who's very young submitting a very big piece to something like that. So it was kind of discarded. Basically, other than that, people didn't know much about it. The score had just kind of gone to the wind. You follow all these kind of trails and people say, oh, you should talk to blah, blah, blah. And you should talk to blah, blah, blah. And then you kind of go and talk to them. And they're like, oh, no, I don't think I've ever seen that. Oh, I do remember something with a kind of cover and all this sort of thing. Anyway, this went on for a couple of years. In the end, I kind of went very in depth at the archive and I called up a friend of mine um, who I'd recently met actually, another composer called Shiva Fesharecki, who's an extraordinary composer and turntablist, wonderful artist, and um, invited her to come and come and look at what, what I'd come across basically. 
So I went to visit James um, in the Daphne Oram Special Collection at Goldsmiths University. Um, and he kindly showed me around the whole collection. Um, but he was showing me kind of like all these loose piles of paper um, and scores of Daphne Orams. And I was like really fascinated that like such an incredible like engineer and electronic music pioneer would have written all of this kind of scored composition and there's not just still point you know, there's loads of um, orchestral and ensemble music that Daphne Orham composed and then yeah we at the age of 25 I came across Still Point and James showed me Still Point and said you know this is a piece that's um, scored for um, 378 RPM discs to be manipulated on turntables and double orchestra and it's never been performed and it's not weird I mean it's just we don't even know where all of the elements of the the score is but here's the the large major, majority of it and I was just flicking through this like absolutely amazed and gobsmacked and you know it's written in 1949 and really the first example of turntablism and live electronics for a concert setting and that was it I was like I was just on another planet really when I when I came across this I was you know really really because also you know for me as well it was like really crazy because I didn't even know that she she was experimenting with turntables and I didn't actually know that she was an orchestral composer either and you know those are like my two kind of specialist areas <laughs> as well <laughs> um which is quite niche to, to be able to say that um so then I, I made it kind of my mission to kind of find a premiere performance for this piece. So I was like talking to a lot of um, fellow classical musicians that I know. And um, I was talking to the cellist Oliver Coates. And actually everything kind of worked out really well because he was also putting on this festival at the South Bank Centre called Deep Minimalism. And it was, it was a really amazing festival that looked at kind of... Um, a lot of the pioneering left field composers and it was there was a focus on like female composers and so he's putting on this um, festival and I said you know I've just found this amazing composition by Daphne Oram in, in the, the Goldsmiths archive um, and then he was like straight away like this is amazing we need to put this in this festival so we had a meeting with the South Bank Centre and the London Contemporary Orchestra and we got the still point programmed for this festival so James and I worked really hard to kind of realize this composition for this festival in 2015 um, so we had like a series of instructions from Daphne Oram um, some were turntable instructions, um, some were microphone techniques, and then there was the score, the main body of the score that was a pencil draft score. So it was definitely not the final version of the score because the um, rehearsal letters in the preface um, where Daphne Oram specified the turntable manipulations didn't correspond to the, to the letters in the score because the letters were numbers in the score or, or the other way around. Um, but anyway, we went and we, did, we made Still Point um, and we premiered Still Point with the London Contemporary Orchestra. And I, you know, I really kind of developed some, some turntable techniques for this premiere um, based on the bullet points that Daphne Oram had 
um, compiled, but also it was kind of like, you know, developing almost like a new instrument to, to realize this score. But then hilariously, um, that wasn't still point. Later on, we realized that was a different piece of Daphne Aurum's. Well, nobody said it would be easy, right? Uh, <laughs> all that work, uh, trying to interpret those instructions for the turntables. I mean, you know, so many decades have passed. The technology has changed. All of that work to line up a performance at a major festival to get the musicians involved. I mean, it's just an incredible amount of work only to find out that it was the wrong piece. Well, we will continue with this story in a little bit, find out more. Uh, there's more detective work to come, but let's hear some more of the piece, Still Point, the, uh, the correct piece, <laughs> the one that they wound up with at the BBC Proms in 2018. So here is part of that live performance. I'm going to pick it up right where I faded it down before, and we'll hear Robert Ames leading the London Contemporary Orchestra, James Bully on live electronics, Shiva Fesharecki on turntables.
Okay, well, we're just moving into one of my very favorite sections of the piece, a section that really shows off the electronics. So I will come back to that, uh, but let's hear more of this story. How were James Bully and Shiva Fesharecki able to track down the actual still point? Um, and then James actually found still point in um, Pamela Davis's home. Was asked by a friend of mine, um, who's the wife of uh, a composer called Hugh Davies, who was friends with Daphne Oram. So Hugh died a few years back, and his wife Pam asked if I would help help establish an archive of his work. And um, I agreed to do this, went round, and um, in the end, as a kind of staging process, I took a lot of that material into my studio, which is in southeast London, not far from where I am now. Um, and for about a year or so, I was working through that material. And in that process of working through his scores and reference materials, I discovered the final score for Still Point. And this was obviously quite an extraordinary sort of moment, having gone through everything we'd gone through previously and been searching for this thing. But it turned out, and in retrospect, I can't believe I didn't even think of this, that uh, Hugh, as, as, as Daphne was ill towards the end of her life, she had passed over some of her works to Hugh to study and to write about. So she had kind of got in contact and said, you know, would, would, would you like to have a look at this stuff? And he jumped at the opportunity and he'd been working on that research when she died. And then not that long afterwards, he died. So he ended up with um, the final score for Still Point. So then a conundrum sort of immediately presented itself. And obviously I called Shiva up straight away and I was like, you won't believe what has just happened. And um, there was the full... Uh, score for Still Point with the front page addressed to John Doe as a submission for Pre-Italia uh, in its original envelope. And it was the only existing copy of the score with all the live electronics built into it, which I'd never, we hadn't properly seen the live electronics parts before, we've just seen notes and references to them. So we'd not been able to achieve that in the first performance. And then immediately we realised we had to, um, there had to be a proper world premiere of this piece. So then we were like, okay, take two. <laughs> but then it was good because we'd learned so much from the rehearse, uh, the the research and development process of Still Point Number One. I'm going to keep going with the piece now. This performance of Still Point from the BBC Proms in 2018, a truly extraordinary occasion. I, I wish that I could have been there live to see this performance, to hear this piece uh, finally have its much-deserved world premiere. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to pick it up exactly where I was, where I left it off. Uh, one of my favorite parts that really showcases the electronics, and then afterwards we'll talk with James and Shiva a bit more about how the electronics work in this piece.
So the way the turntablism works is there are certain elements of the score that are pre-recorded, rendered directly, lathe cut onto a 78 RPM disc, uh, which is a wonderfully kind of tense and brilliant process because it's obviously just one take because you cut one side of the disc, turn it over, cut the other side. And if any of these fragments are played wrong, then that's kind of that. And you either start again or, you know, just continue. Um, but the London Contemporary Orchestra and Rob Ames, who was conducting, were incredible, are incredible players. And um, as a result, we had kind of perfect takes. And that's what we also did for the BBC Proms. We we worked with Alexander Kolkowski, who recorded direct to, to Lathe, um, the orchestra, so the Lathe cut the discs um, directly. Um, from that in an analog process that would have been available to in the 50s, for example. Um, and then the second half of the um, instructions is the way that she would like these passages to be manipulated. So record X and then manipulate X at this point so it shows where in this in the orchestral score she would like the material to be manipulated but it also shows um how to manipulate that recorded material so for example she'd say stuff like reverse the turntable motor um remove the the treble put full bass um or she'll say um, play this record, recorded passage an octave lower than um, written in the score. So then you record that material that's in the orchestral score. It's cut onto disc and then it's slowed down. So it's an octave lower um, than, um, and then it's, she also specifies at which point in the score that this manipulation needs to be. So it will be in always in duet with the orchestral material.
She lived in this house called Tower Folly on her own for most of her life, this big old oast house in Kent. Um, and she spent most of her time um, creating experimental electronic music, in effect. She came to London at uh, kind of the age of 17 or 18 through various connections. She got this job engineering at the BBC and she worked her way up. And later on, like by the late 50s, she um, co-founded the Radiophonic Workshop, um, which in British electronic music is a huge presence. It's kind of the foundation of electronic music in Britain, in a sense, and kind of renowned these days for Delia Derbyshire creating the Doctor Who theme and various other kind of things of that kind. And um, she'd come from a kind of classical upbringing. Parents were huge fans of Schubert and Schumann, things of that kind. They had a string quartet within the family. Her father was an engineer. She learned a lot about radio engineering and the more technical aspects of electronic sound at home as a child. So she kind of came to London with this amazing knowledge kind of pre-existing as a child. So then she got this job as an engineer and she became a what was called a music balancer at the BBC, which was basically sort of equivalent to DJing in a sense. But um, they would often in the war, for example, during the Blitz in London, she'd be music balancing the rollout of a hall. And what that involved was um, you might have a brass band or an orchestra playing kind of light music or something like that. And then she would be sitting up in the very top, which was a kind of glass dome at that point. And she would be basically doing the kind of live compression on a mixing desk of the radio feed going out, you know, to make sure the loud bits weren't too loud and the quiet bits weren't too quiet. But also she had a turntable next to her with a recording of similar or the same music on a 78 RPM disc. The notion being if the Royal Albert Hall was evacuated or a bomb hit it, she would put the record on um, and seamlessly fade into that and no one would know that that had happened. I mean, it is a completely extraordinary thing because there are very, I can't think of any turntablist really that could perform that piece. And for Shiva to, you know, be in my orbit at that point where I just was like, I, I want to speak to someone about this and to be able to, you know, she just came in. And then, you know, to be, to have this scenario where she and I performed the turntablism and the live electronics with the double orchestra at the proms, it just shows how extraordinary Aurum's work is because you know after still point and you know remembering and just like re-emphasizing that this piece was never performed 
it was never even rehearsed. The idea that she can write that kind of piece at the age of 23 with the lack of opportunity that she really had for doing this kind of thing. Um, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that if times have been different, she, like her career would have been off and running from a very young age, I'm sure. Because um, she's extraordinarily talented. But to write a piece like this, I mean, it just defies belief. You look at the score and you're just like, I don't really understand how, how can you imagine sound in this sort of way, these colossal forces moving in space when there's just really no precedent? You know, this is prior to like practically anything that you might think to reference that could be an influence on that. Still point in itself is um, even now when we think about it, like this idea of this dry and wet orchestra, so you've got the wet orchestra on one side of the stage and the dry orchestra on the other, and the two orchestras almost mirror each other. It's like a synthesizer. It's like an acoustic physical synthesizer. So what she's done is dis displayed within an acoustic orchestra, like how a, a synthesizer can work. And then also the, the idea of taking this orchestral material and manipulating it electronically in duet with the orchestra it's like really almost metaphysical as well you know it's um it's a lot to take in it's absolutely surreal though as well because the actual concepts within the piece mirror the like story of the piece as well and the actual sound of the music is so like em emotive in, in the same kind of everything's interconnected with it because you know this idea because still point of the turning world you know it's it's, a, it's based on that t.s Eliot poem um which is about how um time time is fluid and there's no there's no start or end point of time is turning time turns and you know this this idea of like this piece being written in 1949 and being premiered in 2018 and there being this kind of fluidity of going back and forth in time itself is like the actual concept still point is is based on 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 this you know and so it's 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 almost like um eerie <laughs> to say the least you know I've been playing excerpts of Daphne Oram's Still Point on the program today, but I highly encourage you to go and listen to the whole piece, which you can do on Shiva's SoundCloud page. That's Shiva Fesharecki, uh, the whole work from this uh, extraordinary performance as part of the 2018 BBC Proms is up there. So do give it a listen. And both James and Shiva told me that the piece is slated for a commercial release in the near future. So be sure to keep an eye out for that as well. I want to thank both James Bully and Shiva Fesharecki for taking the time to talk to me and uh, for telling me this incredible story. Uh, absolutely amazing. And so I'm looking forward to the release of Still Point, and I hope that there are other orchestras out there interested in performing and recording Daphne Oram's music, because it sounds like there's a lot more out there in the archive, so it'd be great for it to get out. Let's listen to the last few minutes of this live performance of Still Point. Once again, we're going to hear Robert Ames conducting the London Contemporary Orchestra, James Bully on live electronics, and Shiva Fesharecki on turntables.
I don't know when it came to actually performing it I was I think I was like in a daze really because I just I didn't really know where I was really but I was just so happy I was it was the only time I've ever given a performance where afterwards I just just really felt happy and content and like like we'd done something great you know it just felt like a you know you can't help but feel on some level it, it's just all kind of a a thing that was just meant to be it was kind of preordained that this would be the way it would go i just it's just a real shame that she wasn't around to experience it relevant tones is a program of access contemporary music a nonprofit organization with the mission of bringing musical creativity to life every day find out more at acmusic.org for relevant tones i'm seth bosted thanks so much for listening